0: going to continue in deep dive in our study together, and we're going to be focusing on human beings in our relationship to God's world, the place that He's put us. But I want to begin by reconnecting with what Pastor Steve brought us last week about the significance of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, it says, all authority... I'm sorry, it says all scripture, I need to not do two things at once, (laughs) all scripture is God breathed, all scripture is God breathed, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God can be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, last week we talked about the significance of the word of God, what he's given us, this incredible love letter, this incredible gift that he's given us. And what we understand is that God's word is the ultimate authority. And what does that mean to us practically right now today? It means that if there is a question between what culture says and what scripture says, scripture wins. Scripture takes precedence, that if there is some sort of question between uh, science and God's word, that God's word wins, and that over time, we'll see how the two can be reconciled. That God's word is infallible, and God's word is perfect. God's word is the final authority. We also see that God's word gives us everything that we need to live in this world. Through His Word, He's given me a clear understanding of who He is and a clear understanding of who I am and how those begin to mesh together in some of those principles. God's Word is clear and gives clear direction and understanding He said in the greatest commandment that we're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, that we're not to allow anything to come before him. That we are to set our hearts and our minds fully after God first. And then he says that I'm supposed to love you as much as I love myself. And it's like, really? Really? I can get loving God. I mean, God's perfect. God's kind. God's all those things. But I got to love you (laughs) as much as I love me. Now, wait a minute, God. That's kind of a high order. He's like, yeah. He goes, as a matter of fact, if you look all through my word, that's exactly what I keep telling you. God's word gives us clear direction for understanding his word, how to worship and how to be of service and how to have compassion. And, and God's word is sufficient to prepare us for good works. Jesus came, right, as an example. He took on all of our frailties, came to earth to what? To serve himself? No, to serve us. And came as an example to show us how we are to live our lives. And we are to lay down our lives or our life for others. And what does that really look like? It means sometimes I might have to set aside my desires. Sometimes I might have to set aside what I want or what I think is important. Sometimes I might actually have to look and see you instead of seeing myself. God's word is perfect in all that it does. And see, when we connect with that, and it's with this understanding of the integrity and the completeness of the word of God that we're going to look at our topic today. In Genesis chapter 1, we began to see some things that are important Right from the very beginning, one of those age-old questions has been asked, Why am I here? You ever thought about that? Why am I here? What's my purpose? When I look out today and I see your faces and I connect with those online, my heart is that God wants to answer that question for you today. Why are you here? Why did he choose you? Why did he create you? What is your purpose for being here? And the reason for that is I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be uplifted. It's not by accident, you didn't just show up. But God has an actual plan and a reason and a purpose, He's excited about your existence. It's important to me today to help you and I to connect with the beauty and the privilege and the honor that is our position in creation. And also connect with the responsibility that is our position in creation. The beginning of time, the beginning of history... The beginning of creation starts off with the voice of God speaking into nothing and creating everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I want you to, as much as you can, to try to think about this is not a science lesson. Have you ever tried to teach a child or to teach somebody a complex concept that they're not familiar with? You don't do it by breaking out the slide rules and the calculus. You do it by using word pictures, by using examples that they can understand, by speaking to them in a language that they have the greatest capacity to understand. And God is speaking to us. And I wish I had one of those James Earl Jones voices, but I don't. (laughs) It says "Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So there was evening and morning, the first day. God spoke. Light existed. God spoke, and the heavens and the earth came into being. By the word of God, the plants and the animals and the days and the seasons sprang forth. With all that God had already created, why create man? I mean, think of all the beauty that he created, the perfect earth. All of creation filled with beautiful animals and with sea creatures and with, you know, cattle that roam the earth and birds of the air. With all that God had already created, why create man? Why am I here? What is my purpose? I want you to see that God answers the questions in the very beginning of his story to us, the very beginning of his communication, of his love letter to us as he begins to tell us, this is why I created you. Genesis chapter 1, God said, let the earth bring forth each kind of living creature, each kind of livestock, crawling animal and wild beast. And that's how it was. And God made each kind of wild beast, each kind of livestock and every kind of animal that crawls on the ground. And God saw that it was good. And then God took the next step. I want you to read this with me. I want you to read it out loud and loudly. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in the likeness of ourselves, and let them rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the animals, and over all the earth and over every crawling creature that crawls on the earth. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and every living creature that crawls on the earth. When we read the beginning of the story, when we read the beginning of the book, we see that the Hebrew word for man is Adam, and that word means mankind. It means humankind. It is neither male nor female. a matter of fact, he goes on in verse 27 to make it very clear. It takes both men and women, male and female, together to give us the most complete image of God. And what is that image? The essence of the image of God is not about physique. The essence of the image of God is His character. Who he is. You are created to be an image bearer of God. I am created to be an image bearer of God. I want you to connect with what a privilege that is and what a responsibility. See, you have a mission to carry Father God's image into the entire world. You have a mission to carry God's image, His character, His love, His compassion, His justice, His mercy, His heart into the entire world. Bearing the image of God gives us a distinct dignity. We've been endowed with reason and moral self-consciousness, freedom of choice, imagination, and creativity. He's given us this unique dignity. We are the only ones that God says are created in His image. We are the only ones that can reflect that image back to the world in such a way they can be seen. How many of us have ever said, oh, I see her mother's eyes looking at a child. Or, oh, I see her father's smile. Or a little bit later, oh, he acts just like his dad. <laughs> see, that idea of image bearing isn't really all that foreign. But God's telling us and giving us a picture I have created you in my image with a distinct dignity that's different than anything else I've created. As a matter of fact, part of that is I've given you the ability to reason, to work with complex principles and complex thought. I've given you the capacity to understand and execute justice and culture, government and covenant I've given you this ability to reason and moral self-consciousness. Have you ever been around those little kids? They teach us so much. What's one of the first things they say? No. Why? Or mine, mine, mine. Which also means I understand the concept that Something belongs to me and something belongs to you that I need to share, that there is some sort of connection between us. And a matter of fact, we teach them, we don't hit, we don't bite, we tell the truth. So we begin to take that inherent conscious, that knowing of what's good and what's evil what's right and what's wrong and we begin to build on it and enhance it and help them to develop more fully an understanding of what that looks like second Timothy or first timothy four says this the spirit expressly says that the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons speaking lies and hypocrisy having their own conscience seared. That part that I placed in you from the beginning, that part that God is working to refine, that part that God has given us as parents to steward in our children. And he says that can be seared, that can be overwhelmed. But we are created with the ability to have moral conscience. We've been given freedom of choice. I think that's the greatest gift we can possibly receive. Some people think it's the greatest curse we can possibly receive. But I think it's the greatest gift. Why didn't God just make us puppets on a string? So that we didn't have choice. So that whatever he wanted, we did. There'd be no fall, right? There'd be no brokenness. So why in the world did God curse us with the freedom of choice? You guys are awfully quiet. Because without the freedom of choice, there is no capacity for genuine relational love. If you can't choose to reject, you can't choose to love. And God created us in his image with the capacity to have genuine relational love and has invited us into that place with him. He gave us choice So that we could experience and interact with Him from that level. 1 John chapter 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Choice. For love is from God. Character. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. It's His character. And he's given us imagination and creativity. Aren't you glad for the worship team and all the different things that they're able to do? I'm not setting myself up this time, Bob. First service, he told me I can't sing. He's right. But God has given certain people the capacity to work with complex thought and complex issues and complex instruments and and chords and music put together and to create something gorgeous and beautiful and to create something that helps us to enter in emotionally, something that opens our hearts and our doors to be able to worship. And he's given others of us the gift of gab to be able to stand here, yep, (laughs) and hopefully by his gifting, be able to take his word and put it in word pictures and open it up in a way that my family can connect with it and grow and be encouraged and be strengthened. We are created in his image. We are not created for ourselves. You are created to carry God's image as an ongoing work of honor and a privilege. I'd like to put it this way. You are an ambassador of God. An ambassador does not represent themselves. They represent those that sent them. And it is as if it is that person, that authority, in the image of all that goes with that authority, that is empowering them to act on their behalf. And that is where God has placed us as ambassadors. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul speaking says, And for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, that you might open your mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. I'm representing God. The image of God is in me. As a matter of fact, Second Corinthians, you know, if you thought we could hide and go, well, I'm not Paul. Second Corinthians, you know, gets right in the weeds with all of us. The, the we statement or the us statement, you know, the one where we kind of hide among everybody else. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, we are ambassadors for christ as though god were pleading through us god put us in the place that we're at right today you were born when you were born you were here and alive on 2023 in this place in this time to be an ambassador to the people that you interact with your family your friends your church your work all of those places He goes on in Matthew 5, 16 and says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, it's not about just your words, but how you live your life. How you engage others. How you live out and use the resources God has given you. How you engage the world around. He's saying, do good works and allow that to open up the door for conversation. Show people that you love. The first thing that Jesus did was come and serve and reveal himself and be submitted before he asked the first person to follow him. He engaged. Let your good works shine and glorify you God who is in heaven. In Matthew twenty eight, we know it is the great commission. Jesus came and spoke and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go and make image bearers. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. You have a mission. You are to carry the character of, The love, the grace, the mercy, the image of God into all the world. The functional result of being or bearing God's image is that we are to be God's visible representatives ruling creation as God would rule it. You are created as an image bearer of God, as a gift and responsibility, and have the purpose to steward the entirety of God's creation. We are to nurture, protect, invest, create, and develop the gift of creation that He's entrusted into our hands anywhere and everywhere we go. In the fall of man, we see both the mission and the purpose corrupted. Romans 3 says that there is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the image and the glory of God. Instead of the image of God being something that we honored, something that we valued and cherished, something that we took responsibility for to proclaim God and to expand His character into the world. We've used the image of God as a prideful possession, making ourselves equal to God in our own minds. We've lowered God to our level. Instead of stewarding his wonderful creation and building and enhancing it through wise stewardship, we made the earth, the animals, and all of its resources something that we plundered for our own gratification. In the fall, we see the mission and the purpose corrupted. And yet, aren't you glad there's a yet I'm glad there's a yet. (laughs) And yet, even in this failure, we see God's image reflected in us. We are still image bearers, and His mission and His purpose remain the same. See, this is why Jesus, God the Son, arrived to make all things new. This is why God's given us His Holy Spirit and placed it in us to restore and refine and reestablish the image of God. Here's the good news. It really doesn't matter how bad you've been in the past, how many bad choices you made, how many bad decisions you made. That is not what is going to define you. What matters is how we engage with Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, not something you can earn, but the gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have to receive it, God's offering you a gift and you can go, no, that's okay. I don't want it. I mean, he gave us free choice, right? But he's offered us the gift of Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation. First Corinthians chapter 15 says, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual, the first man, Adam, was of the earth, made of dust. The second man Jesus is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust, us broken, flawed, defective in some areas, corrupted by the fall. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall bear the image of the heavenly man, be refined renewed, restored, brought back together again by the work and the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. See, it goes on and in Romans 8 it says this, What shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. He made the way back. He paid the price for us. He gave Himself. In 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Anyone. There are no exceptions. It is open and available to every single human being that has ever drawn a breath. If anyone receives Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Jesus, He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All the errors, all the faults have been paid for. doesn't mean that I can go willingly make the same ones over again. That's not the point. But that neither are we a slave to those things. They aren't what defines us. Because all things have become new. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you get that? As an image bearer of God. He has given you the ministry of reconciliation. He's called you as an ambassador to love the world around you. He's called you as an ambassador to share the gospel. He's called you as an ambassador to help reconcile people, individuals, family members, people you know and work with back to himself. We can't do it by ourselves, but he's called us to be his ambassador and to carry that out as though God were pleading with the people around us through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God because he made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the good news. That's what it means to be an image bearer that we have been given this incredible privilege, but it all hinges on believing and receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. So as a believer, you are an image bearer of God. You are still called to the mission of carrying the image of God, the character of God into this world right now today. Ever revealing the love and the grace and the mercy and the justice and the character of God by the way you live, by the way you interact, as well as by what we say and do. You are still called to steward the entirety of his creation, the earth and all that is in it. I am to bear His image in a way in my life and live my life morally and ethically and compassionately. I am an ambassador always representing Him and being about His mission. You individually are to bear His image and live your life in a way that is morally and ethically revealing of His image. Being an ambassador, representing him into the world around you. Simply put, God has created me and he's created you with a mission. Bear his image, be his love, be his grace, be his mercy, be his light, be salt. Bear his image. Be alive. He's created you and he's created me with a purpose. To steward all that he's entrusted into our hands. And it's never too late. No matter what's gone on in the past. It is never too late to be a part of God's kingdom. Amen.